Hey, uh, thanks for being here today. We're gonna be uh, in the last part of our series called Dumb Things Smart People Believe. We'll be in Matthew chapter six. If you got your Bible, open up to Matthew the sixth chapter. Uh, again, we would encourage you if you got a Bible app to download version. You might wanna find the Bible app there and get uh, open to Matthew chapter six. We'll get there in just a minute. Um, today, we're wrapping things up and I'm gonna be addressing uh, the dumb belief that all the church cares about is money. All the church cares about is money. Now, I know that the min- minute, the second, the nanosecond that I mention money, some of you get nervous. And some of you start thinking about how you can leave today. And others are curious to see if I'm gonna be uh, one of those pastors that talks about uh, being rich and fat and happy. In fact, one of these guys that drives around in something like this or flies in something like this, it's up there, it is. Um, I, it's not me, I just want you to know. I, I would love to drive an Austin, I think it's an Austin Martin, that would be fun, but I, I would never own one. It's worth more than my house. So that's just, uh, I can assure you, that's not who we are. Uh, and there was a time, there actually was a time when I approached the subject of money with fear and trembling. And uh, only a couple times a year do we even address this uh, on Sunday mornings. But I know it's a hot button for some people. Believe me, I've been doing this a long time. I'm the old guy. I might be the oldest guy, Seth knows. I've been doing it a long time. I know that when you mention this in church, some people get mad, some people leave. And uh, often, more often than you would imagine, I get some nasty emails after talking about this. Um, But sometimes it's actually good for us to remember what the Bible teaches and what God has to say about this topic. And some good can actually come out of it. Uh, Years ago, in fact, we were in our uh, old uh, auditorium, the Xbox, and a couple named Mike and Heather Haberman showed up. Now they live in Iowa now, and I miss them, love them dearly. But here's the story. I give you the Reader's Digest version of the story. Heather showed up at East Point with a couple of kids, fell in love with Jesus, God started doing some great things in her life, but her husband was like, eh, never gonna go to church, don't wanna go to church, want anything to do with church, not gonna happen. And she just kept showing up, and kept praying for her husband and praying that someday maybe he'd come. Well, Mike uh, found out that there was this mountain bike group. In fact, uh, Pat, uh, uh, Tony Ball and, and uh, uh, Joe Pittenger, they had this group, and so I don't know how Mike got invited, but he ended up being part of this mountain bike group, developed a relationship with these guys, which is always a good thing. And uh, one Saturday, completely to Heather's surprise, Mike says, hey, I'm gonna go to church with you tomorrow. She was absolutely blown away, shocked, and excited that her husband finally wanted to come to East Point. She said, I know he's just gonna love it. So anyhow, that night, she starts praying, oh God, please, I beg you, God, my husband's finally showing up at church, don't let Kurt talk about money. And she was dead serious. God, please, I'm begging you. If, you, if he talks about money, if, if Kurt talks about money, he will never come back. Well, she showed up, and, and she sat in her normal spot, now with her husband next to her, and she pulled out the outline. We used to actually hand out outlines that had the, the notes on them. And uh, she looked at the title, and she had a fit. Because sure enough, that's what I was talking about that day. And she got so angry, mad at God, mad at me, frustrated, terrified, didn't know what to do. She's going through all these scenarios. Should I just fake like I'm sick and get Mike out of here? You know, what am I gonna do? Well, they sat through the whole service. Uh, They went, got their kids, went out to the car, got in the car, and Heather says, I absolutely expected Mike to just unload. He was gonna blast me and say, this is exactly why I hate going to church. It's exactly why I can't stand church and God. And, And she was ready. She had prepared herself for that encounter. Mike turned and looked at her and she said, you know, Heather, that was awesome. I think we should start giving to this church. That's kind of her reaction, she was like, what? 
And he says, yeah, I'm serious. And well, and that led to a whole a bunch of other cool things where Mike starts showing up on a regular basis and eventually he came to know Jesus and got baptized in our church. Now I love stories like that. Uh, I've heard quite a few of them over the years where God shows up and surprises people with the unexpected. But my confidence in talking about money today isn't based on some encouraging stories. It's found in two truths, and I'm gonna nail these again and again today. I want you to understand these two truths. So here's the first one. God cares deeply about your heart. God cares deeply about you and your heart, and God cares deeply about his mission. God cares deeply about you. God cares deeply about his mission. And if and when you understand those two realities, it changes everything about the way you view the issue of money. Now, I know some of you don't know me. You don't trust me. You may have had some really bad, abusive experiences in churches with pastors that, man, you thought, I, have, I don't want to hear it. You might be like my friend Heather, and you're freaking out a bit because you invited a friend or family member today, and you're thinking, got it. Boopna, what are you doing? This is the first time I got my friend here, and you're talking about money. Well, listen, I'm going to ask you to give me 30 minutes. I'm asking you to listen first and to react less, or at least, at least listen first and react later. Why? Because what's at stake here is far more than just money. What's at stake here is your heart and God's mission on the earth. Your heart and God's mission. Believe it or not, Jesus taught a lot about money and resources. In fact, he taught about it a lot more than we do around here. About one in seven things that Jesus had to say had to do with money, resources, material goods. Why? Because he understood better than anyone. He was God in the flesh. He knew how important this topic is for all of us. He said this in Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is like treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. This is one of the times where Jesus talked about treasure, and he said, the treasure is the kingdom of heaven. When it came to that issue, what truly matters most, Jesus said it again and again. The kingdom of God is to be above all in our hearts and our minds. The kingdom of God is to be first. The kingdom of God is the treasure. Not just a treasure, but the treasure. He put it this way. I had you turn to Matthew 6. Let's go down to verse 19, Matthew 6, 19. Jesus said, do not store for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21, here's the heart of the issue. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. It's one of those profound realities that we don't actually think a lot about. But if you stop, even if it's outside of the context of church and religion, you would have to admit that there's a principle that here that's true. That where our treasures, that's where our heart is. Where our treasures, the things that we value, that's where we have uh, passion in our heart. You see, we invest. As humans, we invest in what we value and what we believe in. And we will spend money on what we want. That's a human nature. That's, it is, that's us. We invest in what matters to us. We invest in what we believe in. We spend money on what we want. Hundreds of millions of dollars this past year already are pouring into political campaigns because people care about who the next president's going to be. Now, this is not a political statement. I'm not even going there. I'm just saying people care about who's gonna be the next president, and so they'll spend money on it. If you have a boat or a lake or timeshare in Hawaii, it's because those things matter to you, and there's nothing wrong with those things at all. But it is an indication of where it's part of, you, of what you value. Even if you're relatively poor, and that would be a lot of us, you probably still have cable TV and, and a, a, a smartphone because you think you can't live without that. I always kind of 
surprises me when I'm downtown. I was downtown Friday, and there's a homeless guy in the street corner. Sign says, you know, we'll whatever for money. And, and then he's got a smartphone. It's like, wow, okay, I, I don't know. It just seems crazy to me. But if you're a coffee drinker and you're a Java snob like I am, you probably don't buy Folgers from Costco because it's not really good to the last drop. That's a lie. <laughs> and so you'll spend 50 bucks or so a month or a week at Starbucks or your favorite Java hole. Why? Because it matters to you. We invest, we spend. This is just, I'm not, this is economics 101. Just take the God thing out of the picture for a minute and agree with me that we all invest and spend on money and what we, what we care about. Rich or poor or somewhere in between, we all spend and invest on what matters to us. And Jesus said, I didn't say this, Jesus said that your treasure reflects your heart. That where you invest or spend your money reflects what's here. Now God knows that we humans focus on money and that we focus on stuff and that sometimes we do so too much. And that in the, the result of that is it cripples our hearts and it hinders God's plans for us as individuals and us as a community of faith. Why does this matter? Because your heart matters and because God's mission matters. And God knows, and again, if you'll just for a second listen and think about it, obviously what we value affects what we do. And here's a fact, you cannot become all God wants you to become or experience all God wants you to experience if you're confused about what truly matters. It's impossible for you. Why am I passionate about this? It's because you as an individual cannot become all that God wants you to become, experience all that God wants you to experience, do all that God wants you to do as an individual or us as a community of faith if you're confused about what is most important. Look again at Matthew 6, verse 24. Any confusion about it, Jesus clears it up. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus didn't say it's kind of hard, and maybe if you work really hard at it, maybe if you're smart, maybe if you, no, he says you cannot. It's impossible to serve both God and money. You can't be devoted to both, why? Because again, we humans are hardwired to serve only one God the God of the universe, or the God of money. That's why the first commandment in the, the, in the Ten Commandments says, thou shalt have no other God before me. God knows us. He knows the way we're wired. He knows the way we worked. That we can only truly give our absolute and total hearts to one. And it's either gonna be him or something else. Our purpose statement, our mission here at East Point, some of you have heard this before, let me remind you uh, of it, and some of you, maybe this is the first time you've heard it, but we, East Point exists to honor God by helping unbelieving people become wholehearted followers of Jesus and fully devoted partners in his body of the church. East Point exists, this is why we are here, to honor God, it's all about him. And the way we honor him best is by doing what Jesus came to do. We help unbelieving people become wholehearted followers of Jesus and fully devoted members of his body, partners, I love that, partners of his body, the church. Yes, we are a church that exists for those that are not yet in it, but our ultimate goal is to grow whole-hearted disciples of Jesus, who in turn will help us reach more people who don't know him yet. And to be clear, wholehearted and fully devoted is always, listen, always measured by how you invest your time, energy, and money. I can tell you what matters to you by simply looking at your calendar and your checkbook. 
It's measured by what you, where you invest most your time, energy, and money. And money is always the one that's the most challenging for us. Now, if you can't or choose not to be passionate about our God-given mission at East Point, then I, I, I would ask you to consider why is that? Because, by the way, that's the mission of Jesus. Our mission is his mission. We didn't make this up. It's just why Jesus said he came, to seek and to save the lost. And so, let me say it again. It's not just about money. It's about our hearts. It's about what matters for eternity. It's about investing in the kingdom of God because it's all about bringing people into an eternal relationship with Jesus that matters most. You know that stuff is just stuff, right? That none of it's gonna last forever. The only, only, only thing that lasts forever is not a thing at all, it's people. God cares deeply, more than you can, more than I will ever completely understand. He cares deeply about your heart. Do you know that from beginning, Genesis through Revelation, over and over, it's amazing how many times the word heart is used and how often God challenges the condition of our hearts toward him. He cares deeply about your heart because he cares deeply about his mission to use you, to use us, to reach the lost and to love the found. That's why we're here. That's why we exist. That's why the point is a healing place. Some have come wounded by other churches, other leaders, and they've found hope and healing here. Some have come through a horrible marriage or divorce situations, and they found hope and healing here. Others have been devastated by tragic loss in their life or by tragic sin in their life, and they've found hope here. It's why we exist, to be light bearers, to bring good news to this city and to the world. So how is it that God is using us to accomplish his mission on the earth? Well, let me tell you a story, give you some examples. I wanna get this very practical. Bobby and Elaine, this goes all the way back to our old auditorium on a Mission in Argonne where we first started. They came to our church and their marriage was a wreck, an absolute wreck. Uh, I could give you lots of gory details, I don't need to, let me just say, they, by their own confession, we were on the brink of throwing in the towel. And in fact, one morning they said to each other, as a latch ditch, ditch effort, let's try church. And they were really, they were on the brink of just throwing in everything, completely walking away from their marriage. And so they showed up because they, his wife had noticed, well, wow, there's this church over by, you know, the store and it's in that shopping center and I, don't, I think it's called East something and let's go check it out. And they showed up and from the very first Sunday, they sat in the back and God just began to work in their hearts. You know, it's funny how many times people come to me and say, I don't know what's wrong with me. I come to church and I just cry the whole time. I say, you're fine. Welcome to the club. It's all right. And they just said, so we sat in the back and just wept and cried and, and, and then God began to work in their hearts. And I don't remember how long it was, a couple of months maybe at the most, but one Sunday, like I always do, I, at the end I say, hey, if you're here today and you wanna make the decision, the choice to become a Christ follower, I'm gonna pray a simple prayer. Make this your prayer. If that's what you want, then pray with me. And I did that. And then like I always say at the end, I said, hey, if you did that today, tell somebody you're gonna make their day. Let them know. Come tell me, but tell somebody. We wanna walk in this journey with you, blah, blah, blah. And I got done, said, thanks for being here. And they turned to each other, both tears streaming down their eyes. And she says, I, he says, I did too. And before they could even finish the sentence, they were both hugging each other that day. <laughs> that day, those two, their lives were changed for eternity and their marriage was spared. And they're doing great today, doing great. They recommitted themselves to their marriage, but most importantly, they surrendered their life to Jesus. 
That's the kind of place this is. You provide a safe place for people to discover God's grace in our weekend services, in our support groups, in our small groups, in a wide variety of events, some of which you don't have any idea. AA meets here every week, divorce care, Boy Scouts. You know that we're a Red Cross Emergency Evacuation Center? Do you know that when CV High School gets a bomb threat, they bust their kids down here? Do you know that Micah Peak High School is doing their graduation here in two weeks? We're a community center. We provide a, a safe place for people. And we're not all religious about it. We don't, we don't force them to do something just because we offer a, a facility. You make this place available. And because of that, lives are being changed. This building, and I was like, maybe you've seen this picture before. It's kind of an, uh, I don't know, I think one of my buddies with a really cool, uh, what do they call those things? Yeah, yeah. But anyhow, this building, this, this former Kmart, does anybody think that's just crazy? Like where they used to have a blue light special. This former Kmart is changing lives every week. It's changing lives because of you. How's God using us to, yeah. How's God using us to accomplish his mission? Well, I got another picture I want to show you. It's uh, 13 amazing people. Now, we're missing Tiffany. She's on maternity leave. She was up here today, and uh, Nathan Reinhardt. But 13 amazing people. I am, I am encouraged. Yeah. They're changing lives. They're doing the work of the ministry, which is to equip you to, to reach others, to do what God's called you to do. And your gifts, your support, is what makes that possible for us to have that staff that's doing what they do. How's God using us to accomplish his mission? I don't know if you know this, but every Sunday morning, 125 to 150 kids are back in, in Adventureland and Epic Junior. And on Wednesday nights, we've got over 200 kids with the youth, Epic youth that show up, and the WANA, it's, yeah. 200 kids. We do that because you guys provide a place for this to happen, and we're investing in the next generation. And in our 13 plus years as a church, East Point has given tens of thousands. I, I tried to get more accurate numbers. It's, I could safely say well over $100,000 in 13 years we've given admissions and other parachurch ministries. And there are wells throughout the world that you guys, remember when we collect money at the gift at, at Christmas time? A few years ago, your money uh, helped build, in fact, we raised over $10,000, and there's a well in Guatemala with East Point's name on it. it says, this provided by the, the, the church, East Point Church in Spokane Valley, Washington. And I wanna show you, this last Christmas we raised money again. That's what the well was, it's on Liberia, which is Western Africa. Uh, that's a school right near there, it's a, a primary school. That well it was hand dug, was not very safe, was not very clean, was not very deep. They had to drop a bucket down to pull the water up. It was open, it was exposed. Your money made this happen. Yeah. A deep safe, sealed well now that is taking care of 65 families in that village in Liberia. Guys, your giving makes a difference. And I can tell you without any hesitation that, that because of you, that you're making an internal difference in the lives of over a thousand people every week in this facility and thousands of others around the world. And I can tell you story after story after story. And God wants to do so much more. There's still a lot to do in our community and in the world, which is why I boldly and yet humbly remind you that Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 33, back to Matthew 6, seek first God's kingdom and what God wants. Jesus said this matters. Seek first God's kingdom and what God wants. 
I'm standing down here during worship, and I'm praying, and I'm thinking, Lord, I know how challenging this is. We've already had at least two or three people get up and leave. Maybe they want to get their kids. I doubt it. And I know how challenging this is, but guys, can you imagine what God can do with a church, with a, with a thousand people who say, I will tr truly do what we sang about today, one name above all names. I will live that. I'm not just gonna sing it. I'm gonna live that out in my life. We're gonna live that out in our church where we put him first in everything. Can you imagine the difference that we can make in the lives of our neighborhoods and this city and this county and beyond when we seek first God's kingdom and what he wants? God cares deeply about your heart because he cares deeply about his mission. And I will never apologize for that reality. So what does it take to fulfill his mission? Well, I'll give you one word, an important word, resources. Both human and financial. Our monthly budget is just over 78,000 a month, which means we need to average in 52 weeks about 18,000 a week. And if you think that's a lot, you're not understanding what it takes to do what we do. It baffles me that people get what it takes to run a political campaign, and we don't even bat an eye. I frankly am bothered by hundreds of millions of dollars spent on stupidity. I don't like it. And again, if that ticks you off, well, I'm just, that's my opinion. But we get what it takes to operate the Red Cross and the Salvation Army. We get what it takes to run the Girl Scouts. Why do you buy those amazing cookies? To support an organization that you believe in, or at least that you believe in their cookies. We understand that when it's other stuff, why do we get so frustrated? Why do people get so hinky when the church says it takes resources to fulfill God's mission on the earth? Laura and I give uh, over 10% of our income, our gross income, to this church as tithe all the time. We've been doing it for over 40 years. We've been giving to the church. And much more than that, probably three, five, sometimes as much as another 10% to missions and other ministries, parachurch ministries. But we start here with our family, with our church home. Now you might think, well, that's just crazy. Here he goes, he's gonna talk about the tithe. I knew it. Guys, if you think that the Old Testament tithe uh, was the law and that you were free from that, then I would suggest to you that you haven't read the New Testament very well. Because Jesus said, Jesus said, if you wanna be my disciple, you give all that you have to follow me. And the New Testament mentality is it all belongs to him. What do you want me to keep, God? That's the, that's the sacrificial mentality of the New Testament. No question about that. But I need you to hear me say that we've never regretted, and over 40 years I've regretted putting the kingdom of God first. Now listen, no one around here is ever gonna check your bank statement or look at your 1040. Not gonna happen. But I wanna challenge you to be a percentage giver. And if you think 10% is just stupid, well, start somewhere. Someone who gives a set percentage of their income to the church on a regular basis, because that's where faith and sacrifice comes in. Be a regular giver, one who's faithful and sacrificial for the sake of others all the time. So, you know, it's, it, it, it doesn't make sense to me that just because our attendance is down that we drop 20, 30% in May, June, July, August. When it's as easy as going online to set it up and you have complete control. You can see what you've given, you can change it, you can look at it, it's simple. I know you're gone, hey, it's summer in the Northwest, go have fun and play. But that's why we encourage you to set up recurring giving. Now you might say, well, there are lots of people at East Point, they don't really need me to give. Yes, we do, you matter, you matter. Rick Warren, my pastor, and a mentor in my life for a long time, 
made this great statement. I was down at Saddleback a, a week or so ago. And he made this, and I jotted it down. It was awesome. He said, one drop of rain makes no difference anywhere. But a million drops of rain can turn a desert into a garden. One drop of rain doesn't make any difference. But a million drops of rain together can change a desert into a garden. When every one of us does something, and we do it together, our drops, our giving combined will turn a spiritual desert in this city, in this region, in this world, into a garden of God's presence in the lives of many. Now I get it, I understand. I read the other day, there are more than 1.5 million charities in the United States. One, one and a half million charities. You can't walk out of the grocery store without somebody asking you to give them some support. TV, radio, I was driving down here yesterday to come down and spend some time praying here in the afternoon and on the radio, this, you know, people were, were asking for donations. I get it, there's lots of opportunities, but listen to me. Now obviously, I have a vested interest in this, but I'm still gonna stand on it as truth. There's nothing like the local church because it's in the local church that hundreds in this church, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people have found Jesus and given their lives to him. Hundreds and hundreds have been baptized here. Hundreds of lives and marriages have been restored here. Thousands of people have been equipped and encouraged here to serve, to go. There are many great causes you can support, but the church is the hope of the world because the church impacts lives for eternity. What we do here is holistic in the absolute most holy way. I'll say it one more time. God cares deeply about your heart because he cares deeply about his mission. He cares about you because he cares about what he's trying to accomplish on the earth. And if and when you understand that reality, it'll change the way you think about money. One last story, and we're done. I mentioned Rick Warren. Uh, most of you, a lot of you have read uh, his book, Purpose Driven Life. In fact, well over 30 million copies of the book. That's just one of his books. Um, it's the second um, um, most translated book in the world in history behind the Bible. In the world, in the history. Second most translated book. It's the number one Christian book ever sold in America. Again, it's just sold like crazy, crazy numbers of copies. Uh, as an author, I can tell you that one of the things I learned early on is that authors actually don't make a lot of money, but when you sell a lot of books, you make a lot of money. You, you get about a dollar per book. That's generally the rule. So I'm not that great at math, but if he sold over 30 million, it's about a dollar book, that's a lot of money. $30 million plus. That's just one book. He's done The Purpose Driven Church. He's done all sorts of things. And here's what you need to know about Rick Warren. That's why I love this guy so much. I sat with him in a room, and, and uh, we stood in front of a... a, a campus in San Juan Capistrano and hugged each other and talked briefly a, a couple weeks ago. Well, the reason I love this guy, he gives, he reverse ties. He gives 90% of his income to the church and he gives it to the church, his local church. Do you know, somebody said, you've been traveling down the quite a bit. I have been because I'm involved now in leadership with Saddleback and doing some things regionally and nationally. Do you know that they've paid for every one of those trips? How do they afford that? Well, they got a senior pastor who pays, you know, who ties 90% of his income. That's one way. But they're a church that gets it. Do you know that 80% of their church gives on a regular basis? 80%. And that's changing the world. Rick Warren has chosen to put the kingdom of God first, and he's a great man. Well, that's fine for him. He's a millionaire. I'm not a millionaire. Can I just say this? You've heard me say it before. I'm gonna say this and pray, and we're done. 
With God, it's not the size of the gift, it's the size of the sacrifice. It's always true. With God, it's not the size of the gift, it's the size of the sacrifice. And he measures that by this, by your heart. Bow your heads and pray for you. Jesus, I, I know this matters. I know our hearts matter. And I know how sensitive some of us get, how angry some get. I know how abused this has been in some places. I know, Lord. But Father, I, I pray uh, right now what I've been praying. And I walked around this room for, for an hour yesterday praying it again and again. God, open our hearts to hear your truth. Change our hearts so that we can fulfill the mission that you've called us to as individuals and that you've called us to as a community of faith. God, the reason why this matters is because lives matter. Lives matter. Marriages matter. Kids matter. Youth matter. Healing matters. Wholeness matters. The lost matter. The reason why our hearts matter, God, is because your mission matters. And I... I I, I ask you, God, just do what I can't do. I cannot do this, God. Go into the hearts of people, deeply into the hearts of people and help them see this, help them get it in a way that'll change their perspective and change their attitude. And God, I wonder, I wonder what you would do with a church. I, I don't have to wonder too much. I've seen you do it at Saddleback. I've seen you do it so many places. What would you do with a church? people who rose up to the challenge and said I'm in because I know my heart matters and I know God's mission matters let's change our world if you would just for a moment keep your head bowed and your eyes closed maybe you're here today I, I mentioned earlier I do this all the time we say hey, are you ready and it would seem odd to some that on a day where you talk about money that anybody would come to know Christ <laughs> Because that's the, the, the rep the church has on this is not so good. But I hope what you've heard is that what God wants is you. He wants your heart. And yeah, that means your wallet. But it's your heart that matters most to him. He wants all of you. And here's the deal. He's given all of him, himself, to you. It's an awesome deal. Jesus gave up everything. Everything. Heaven come to earth, his life, his blood, he gave it all up because he loves you that much. Will you respond to that love today? Will you say yes to that love today? Will you embrace the gift of salvation, the gift of grace that he offers to you today? If that's what you want, and if that's what you're ready to do, I'm going to pray this very simple prayer again, and I'm going to ask you to make this prayer yours right now. Father, I get that I need you. I understand the depth of my sin, my failure, my past. And I'm tired. I'm just so tired of doing life my way. I need you. I need you, God. And so I embrace 
what Jesus did for me on that cross, I make it real. It's mine. It's my forgiveness that he purchased. It's my sin that he took. It's my life that I now give to you. And I know the call. That I heard what he said, Lord. It's, it's everything. And I, I don't know how to do that, but I, I'm choosing. I'm all in. I might not be all there, but I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm yours. I'm yours. Now, if you prayed that prayer, or you're watching online, and you're sitting alone in your room right now, you made that prayer yours. The Bible says, God says, today, right here, right now, you begin a journey into eternity as a child of God. You're his. The enemy will tell you all sorts of other things. It'll mess you up, try to throw the guilty. No, you listen, from this point on, you're forgiven. You're his. You're a child of God. Done deal, settled. And it's the beginning of a journey that will change your life, change your eternity. Lord, thank you for those who made that decision today. But Lord, in all of our hearts, change us. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Let's stand together. I'm going to finish with one last song. I hope you'll make this your prayer today. Let's pray. Let's worship and I'll come back and pray. I don't know if there's a better song to finish on than that. My hope, my prayer is you can sing that with integrity. Not one of us, me included, is all there. I'm still figuring out stuff, still struggling through life. But though I'm not all there, I can promise you this, I'm all in. I'm all in. And that's what Jesus wants for you. Today, if you made the decision to become a Christ follower, that's that first step of saying, Okay, I'm all in. And in the baskets by the doors, there's plastic bags with Bibles, material, uh, information about the next First Steps class. Two weeks from today, you need to go to that and tell somebody today. Let them know. Maybe this will be that first day for you. Just tell someone about the fact that you gave your life to Jesus. And it may change them, and I know it's changed you. Prayer team will be down front if you need prayer. There's communion available on both sides of the room. But here's my hope. Here's my challenge to you today. Go live. Go function. Go work. Go to school. Go into your neighborhoods and put Jesus first and watch what he does. Watch what he does through you. Because it's about your heart and his mission. That's what matters. God bless you guys. I love you. Thanks for being here today.